it's it's kind of an emperor's emperor's new clothes type situation. Like the minute somebody's like, "This is bullshit," and they're and they're <laughs> and they are big and powerful enough, the whole thing might just come crashing down. You know, mm. I, I joked on Twitter before my account got eviscerated by Twitter. Uh, the NFTs were beanie babies for tech bros. You know, it's it's one <laughs> thing to like ass- assign an ownership to a piece of art, right? And but it's another like some of the NFT selling are just garbage. They're just complete ironic pieces of garbage. So hello and welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today we are back with Houston Wade, who was, yeah, a fantastic guest last week, I believe we we had you on. Yeah. Yeah. Time flies when, you know, we're talking about GME. Um, so before <laughs> we get started, <laughs> before we get started, I need to plug two things real quick. First of all, you can get 25% off podcast hosting with my host, Podian, uh, if you follow the link in the description. And also, we ca- you can get three months free on Amazon Music. So anyone who's like thinking that streaming services are too expensive, go and get three months of free on Amazon. You don't have to like pay anything. Just sign up, set your timer, and then get three months and then cancel it again. <laughs> you know, stick it to Amazon in the most minor way possible. <laughs> So, uh, Houston, we got you back to talk about GameStop once again in an exciting week with share recall, dark pool stuff going on. Uh, so, and also, we, you were kicked off Twitter uh, after our last conversation. So, do you want to do you want to yeah. tell us just before we get started, like what actually happened? Because uh, there's a lot of people asking me, well, was it? Yeah, <laughs> sinister. Reddit Reddit is convinced that there's some sort of conspiracy. Uh, I think I just triggered a, a bot that did not like my foul language. Uh, there was a, a Twitter thread that was making jokes about Italian food, starting with uh, penne alla vodka and uh, uh, a girl getting carded for ordering it. And <laughs> then someone joked, like, what would happen if she ordered Putinesca? And so I wrote, uh, well, horse sauce will get you five to ten years in some states, <laughs> and which is a little translation of putinesca and uh twitter said that qualified as hate speech and deleted my 10 year old account and my 10,000 followers <laughs> so um wow. if you want to follow me sneakily there's a mustache account called the wooston that uh it's available to follow <laughs> oh that's fantastic the um i saw the i saw the mustache and that's like 100 percent. it's a simpsons reference right to the mr snub <laughs> uh episode Yep. <laughs> yeah, I loved it, man. I, I I cracked up so hard when I saw it. So fair play. Uh, so no conspiracy, just Twitter's uh, ridiculous algorithm looking for hate speech. Yeah. I, I appealed, um, so you maybe know, this someday we... a human being will look at it and give me my account back. Maybe. But until then, this I'm is starting the from scratch. Perfect reason. Yeah, perfect reason for wanting decentralized social media or based on a blockchain, because then they can't remove all your stuff. Um, yeah. But... So uh, we're here to talk mainly about GME and then a little bit about your geology space things. So first of all, do you want to explain to us uh, what a share recall is? I know it's been scheduled for 420, thanks to some legend in the GameStop board. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to explain to us what it is and, and kind of what it means in, in this context? Yeah, so uh, the the 
shareholders meeting for GameStop is in June. I can't remember the exact date in June, like June 16th, somewhere around there. Uh, as far as I'm aware, and, it's the 9th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, in order to be able to qualify to vote, use your shares to vote, you have to be in physical possession of them. Uh, in I use the term physical when we're talking about digital shares that trade back and forth. But um, if you are a big fund and you want the, the ability to vote for uh, CEO or for uh, the way that the, the company's going to largely head, you need to recall your shares. That means everyone who has borrowed your shares to short needs to find some and get them back to you and re repay their loans. Uh, otherwise, you don't have the ability to vote. And uh, usually um, when it comes to to voting, most corporations don't seem to require the, the to be a physical holder of those shares. Um, there's oftentimes when votes happen, uh, co corporations will see more votes than there are actual shares of their company, which is a good sign that there's been naked shorting going on. And uh, there, there should only be you know 69 million-ish uh, shares that that have voting power for GameStop. But my guess is even with the share recall, we'll see tens of millions of more voters than uh, should be should be existing. So the share recall can trigger a squeeze of sorts in that uh, these shorts have to go out, find the, the shares because they're being margin called essentially and uh, return them to their to their borrowers or their lenders. Sorry. So we might all get a vote uh, on the on the board and the board meeting. How many people are, do you think they're capable of hosting in one board meeting? Are they gonna are they gonna let me vote on things with my one chair? <laughs> I would love to see just every single pixel on my screen a different person. <laughs> but uh <laughs> It'd be fantastic, wouldn't it? It would, it would so look like a, the, yeah. Yeah. Excuse me, it look like it look like a like a technicolor snow pattern for your television. Oh, that'd be fantastic. It'd be, maybe it would look like one of those, um, you know, images that's made of a whole bunch of other images. Maybe yeah, exactly, if we coordinated yeah. it perfectly, we could get it to like <laughs> pit, draw a rocket or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you yeah, frames sixty nine thousand through four hundred twenty thousand. You're wearing red. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe work <laughs> but so a lot of people have said that you know this is this should trigger a squeeze because the the shares will be forced to, to buy back or to to cover shorts because yeah they we have to find the physical share so what you're saying is that that's not necessarily the case and that's why potentially we haven't seen the sort of movement that, that a lot of people were predicting this week yeah uh i know vanguard has recalled theirs uh blackrock hasn't yet blackrock has nine million shares that they think they own uh, that should make a significant difference. Um, so, you know, what, one of the things I read earlier this week was that BlackRock hasn't done a recall because they're scared that not enough rules have passed through the DTC to protect them from uh, liability if, you know, the squeeze goes bonkers and Citadel gets drained and the other members of the DTC have to pony up cash to help cover that. So... You know, I'm not sure, you know, BlackRock maybe ha have some liability anyway, even if they don't recall, because Vanguard owns lots of shares. Other other uh, index funds and mutual funds own shares and want to be able to participate because GameStop right now is like the most bonkers uh, 
stock you can own. Like, well, why wouldn't you want to be able to be like, okay, I want to vote on whatever they're going to be presenting <laughs> to, to either yeah. make this thing rocket more or to stabilize. Hmm. So a lot of the things that I've seen as well have been has been people talking about the, this this idea of dark pool trading, um, and and for me at least, I've been been looking at it for for about a month trying to figure out how we can get screwed on this, um, and whether it's possible for um, whether like if we're believing the theory that the hedge funds have not yet covered their shorts and they're hiding them through some sort of creative mechanism, and then we assume that. You know they're trying to 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 do a lot of trading in these dark pools as as people have, have put together various DDs on this. I'll, I'll I'll link some in the description. So is 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 it a, like a, a possibility that they could use the dark pools to cover their shorts without ever touching the official market? Is that is that like a realistic possibility by your understanding? Um, I think it. There is a possibility there. My issue is I don't think the dark pool is trading legitimate shares. I, okay. I think most of the legitimate shares are being held by the retail side. And the big funds have synthetics that have been generated as a result of lending out their shares. I think the dark pool is largely counterfeits. Um, mm. Because the, the volumes and the numbers being traded, there, there are days where a billion shares in the dark pool will bounce back and forth between these these hedge funds and that's just not possible <laughs> like i i don't care how fast your trading computers are there is still some human on the other side who has to do data entry and you know there are clearing houses that have to like balance these books and i just don't think it's possible for the 45 million existing shares to have such high furious volume bouncing back and forth between these funds that uh, that the dark pool market is legitimate. I I feel that that it's mostly shenanigans in order to keep the price low at the for reporting at the end of the day. The, the dark pool is just one mm -hmm. fund talking to another fund like saying, hey, uh, I'll sell you this for this price, and that other fund's like, okay, and they just swap it back and forth, and <clears throat> it's it's one of those things that I think that that. Ultimately, Congress, the SEC, and the clearinghouses will probably have to address after uh, the MOAS, after the, the mother of all squeezes, uh, because it's not fair to retail traders if they don't have access to such markets, right? Like you, it's it's one thing to mm. to be able to go on to Fidelity or Robinhood and trade a share, but if 99% of the market is unavailable to you because it's one giant fund trading with another giant fund on the IEX or something else, uh, that really hurts the retail trader if what they're doing really has no effect upon the price of a share, the value of the share. Uh, if you know Robinhood or Webull gets shut down for some reason because they don't have enough liquidity for their their uh, to make their trades, then all of a sudden only hedge funds get to trade on some market that they're only allowed on, and not retail traders like the IEX. Uh, I think in the future we're going to see rules come out about how these trades are done, how they're regulated, um, if they can be done. Uh, so the the whole the whole point of the over the counter market, the OTC, was that stocks that aren't on one of the big major markets like the New York Stock Exchange or uh, the NASDAQ and, and, and such um, can still be traded. And, but 
if you are taking shares that should be traded openly on the market and putting them in the back alleys of you know wall street doing weird stuff with them uh that's sketchy <laughs> yeah yeah i mean the whole concept is a little is, is a little i still i still quite haven't got like my head totally around the idea of it like do you, do you want to give like a like an explanation of, of, of what the dark pools are from your understanding for anyone who's sitting here being like what are they talking about yeah the, the dark pools are sort of one-on-one -on -one negotiations between two big funds and uh you know, one one may call the other and say hey i've got these you want to trade and it could be trading for cash. It could be trading for other shares of stock uh, in different companies. Um, so, you know, I'll sell you two GameStops for one uh, Microsoft, and they do some sort of swap that way. And the thing is, is that they don't have to report the prices they did these trades at until the end of trading day. So oftentimes you'll see... Uh, uh, the trading day finishes and half an hour later, some huge spike of a million shares will appear in the after hours uh, market. And that will be a dark pool reporting. <clears throat> but even then, a lot of the OTC market never gets reported. It only gets, only gets reported in the OTC market reports days later. Uh, there was some great, great uh, research done by someone uh, last couple of weeks that was finding that Citadel had over a billion shares of GameStop that they were trading specifically on the OTC. And there were other funds that had hundreds of millions of shares as well that they were just trading back and forth and not reporting to NASDAQ at the end of the day, every day. I'll try to find a link for you and maybe you can add that to the your uh, description of the video. Yeah, that sounds shot. They were trading like billions of shares again. Billions. I still can't yeah. get my head around like how this how this is possible because as as we <clears throat> talked about last time and and you kind of mentioned there, there is only estimated to be officially like fifty million shares or so in circulation, like official yeah. share, like real real shares. So how how can it be that 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 we're seeing the trading of billions, given that, I don't know, the estimates vary as to how much retail investors actually hold at the minute, but it's definitely a, like a 10 million plus. Like, a, so, so those shares aren't being touched. Technically they yeah. should be just sitting in the, in the, the, you know, the broker accounts or, or whatever of, of all the retail investors. And then, so, so like, where is all this coming from? Is it, is it just like back and forth, high frequency trading? Is it like a stupid amount of synthetic shares or what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I would think it's probably these synthetics, these counterfeits being generated that were being sold, sold naked. Uh, mm. You know, Citadel is its own market maker. They can generate counterfeit shares whenever they want and sell naked. Um, the idea behind these counterfeit shares was never to to create such a gross mass of fake shares that it basically destroys the stock price of anything because there's such a glut on the market. And hmm. um, you know, in the entire nature of this this squeeze that we're in is that retail traders have gotten wise to it and they're just refusing to let go of their own shares. So the the market makers are trying to, I think, sell more naked shares in an attempt to drive it down, and we're just gobbling them up. So, you know, how, how this 
dark pool OTC billions of shares trading generally affects the rest of us. I'm not like if it's not getting reported, then how could it, how can it affect the price? If it is getting reported somehow, mm-hmm. why isn't it affecting the price? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, yeah, whatever sketchiness is happening in, in, in the OTC with GameStop, I think is kind of weird and I don't quite understand it myself. You know, how, how can mm. these billions of shares be bouncing back and forth and why and who's letting it happen and how is it really affecting us are things I can't answer. I, I don't know. Mm. No, I, 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 obviously there's a lot of, lot of unknowns here. I think Yeah. it's, it's kind of, I don't know if it's just me, but the thing that I've really Perhaps it's this whole GameStop thing that's really sort of laying bare the the amount of of sort of fraud, corruption, sort of fugazi, fugazi, just sort of thin air rubbish that the, that the the financial market seems to have, seems to have become. And I like I haven't been looking at it long enough to know when that happened, but it feels like there's a real almost awakening happening of of realization of how, of how corrupt not just this is but i feel it feels like the world is like running on this ridiculous momentum it feels like everything's like barreling forwards i don't know this is just me like <laughs> i could be totally alone in this but but with things like happening for example the the, the dogecoin rally going on right now it it seems yeah. like all of the madness just continues to escalate like the theory was that once trump was gone everything would calm down again but it just seems to have gone on steroids like just yeah, no, the madness like of a, the entire world <laughs> like like everything is just a troll market at this point <laughs> like everyone's <laughs> just doing things because it's it's funny to them <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's what it seems like, and 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 the people are like, oh, you know, you can't just you can't just invest in memes, and I'm like, I don't know, it's going pretty well at the minute. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there'll, there'll probably be a bubble to it, and hmm. at the end, everyone's gonna just have a good laugh. <laughs> I yeah. lost fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, it goes like full circle to the Wall Street bets, like get, like loss poured ethos. Yeah. <laughs> What and, do you think is yeah. actually happening with with Dogecoin? Like, do you think this is a serious estimation of people thinking this could be like the future currency, or do you think it's just, yeah? I mean, it's a, a bunch. I of think memers. it's as good as any other. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, th- think about like the psychology behind Bitcoin and the psychology behind Dogecoin. There's mm. 20 million Bitcoin that will only that's all that ever exist, right? So in the future, the likelihood of a single human being owning an entire Bitcoin is really, really low because there's 8 billion of us in counting, right? But there's 38 billion mm. Dogecoin. So you can say, hey, I have a thousand Dogecoin and I can buy something that's not just with like fractional shares of a coin. I can buy it with whole coins. Mm. Uh, right now with, with Bitcoin, you know, the average person can't afford $64,000 or whatever it is for a Bitcoin. And if they're going to do any transactions, it's with strange obtuse really long decimal points and you know imagine like you go to a store and the store accepts bitcoin you want to buy a pack of gum right you're gonna be like okay written on there's you know a dollar 29 for the pack of gum or point zero 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 five one two three six nine four one two bitcoin yeah that's that's just asinine. Like it, the human brain can't comprehend 
or accept or even like seeing numbers like that presented to them. I mean, are we going to see scientific notation on all of the mm. prices of everything from this point forward? Because it's 5.219 times 10 to the negative seventh is the price of something. It's just silly. Like, it's easier to be like, you know, four Dogecoin. Done. All right. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's a psychological yeah. aspect to, to it. Hmm. I mean, I saw some some people listing reasons why it still hasn't hit its peak yet because it hasn't been listed on Coinbase. Um, it's getting some some like updates to it. It's going to be like Dogecoin two point I don't know exactly like the specifics of the update. And like uh, Elon Musk is going to put it or something. Yeah. Oh my god! I hope so. Um, I like. <laughs> but then sir. Elon Musk is, is going to put. <laughs> He's gonna put like a literal Dogecoin on the literal moon, and I, yeah. I saw the tweet, and I was like, "He's a hundred percent serious. Like this isn't a joke either." And I saw that, that 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 the the thing we were talking about before as well. I saw this video, which again I'll I'll put in the description of Elon Musk saying that look that that fate loves irony, and that Dogecoin was created as a joke, as like a joke cryptocurrency to be like, yeah, cryptocurrencies are all just a joke. I'm gonna make the most memeiest, jokiest cryptocurrency you can imagine. And that it would make sense in our topsy-turvy 2021 world that that would become one of the most like widely used and traded cryptocurrencies in the world. It's a, a yeah, <laughs> based why not? on a meme. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we're just we're just trolling each other because we have nothing else to do as a society. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's actually just it. Maybe that's why cryptos have, have just exploded. We've just realized like the whole thing is a troll, so we may as well pick the trolliest of things to invest in. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's the direction NFTs are going. Is that we're <laughs> just going to have, you know, someone's going to make meme MFT NFTs, and those are going to be what sells for a million dollars. Is going to be like the little girl with her back to the burning house or whatever, or you know, <laughs> super cats flying through the air. I don't know. And Chrissy's auction house is going to be stuck auctioning off like thumb drives with these things on it. <laughs> Up next is farting bandit. Uh, opening price is 500,000 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that, that I was having a discussion with a friend of mine the other night about, he was like, how how can how can crypto be be such a huge thing, and how can such like ridiculous things go for such huge amounts of money in the modern world? We were talking about like modern art or or yeah. any any of like the collectors' items that go for <clears throat> like millions more than they will ever like realistically be worth. And we were talking about how it's it's a sign of society decide like society just having too much money and time in its hands and just ultimately just spending it on frivolous rubbish. Well, it, it's a lot of it. Has, well, there's two big reasons. One money laundering and two tax evasion. So mm. uh, I wrote an article on this uh, on my blog years ago about, about how to launder money using gemstones. And, you know, Let's say you are a member of the triad in Los Angeles, and you've got $30 million you have to get from Los Angeles to your boss in Hong Kong, right? If you try to transfer that $30 million, the government see it, and they tax it, and they figure out why you have $30 million. Uh, but if you go to Sotheby's auction house, and you buy $30 million in gemstones, well, 
you take those gemstones, you put them on your wife, you take loose stones, you make little rhinestones on your baby's jeans or something, and you buy a ticket to Hong Kong and you fly to Hong Kong. Well, you land in Hong Kong, take all those gems, take them to Chrissy's auction house in Hong Kong, and you sell them for 30 million bucks, and you just moved 30 million dollars across international borders. If you want, uh, I don't know, a, a Da Vinci painting, right? And you want to buy that Da Vinci painting, and you pay 120 million dollars for it. What you do is, at least in the U.S., is you you make a shed in your backyard, you turn it into a private art museum, a nonprofit, and you lend your painting every year to that museum. And so you get a gigantic tax write-off. You know, the painting's worth a rental of $20 million a year. So you can write off $20 million a year every year that painting hangs in your garden shed, which is a private museum nonprofit that you own and no one is allowed in. And you can appreciate your, your Da Vinci for as long as you want. And if you need the cash later, right, it's probably appreciated 15% a year and you sell it for $200 million 10 years from now. So, you know, these hmm. these big auction houses are nothing but money laundering uh, uh, tax havens. <laughs> so, you know, <clears throat> if you have somebody paying $70 million for an NFT, right, they're probably doing something sketchy with that. And that, you know, the idea is I could take this NFT and I can send it via email somewhere else in the world and pick it up and drop it off and somebody else can own it. And so... You know, there's there's these it's these new mechanisms to launder wealth across international borders. And I think that's why we're seeing all sorts of weirdness come out of, you know, these these cryptocurrencies, NFTs. It's a strange, strange world. You know, I, I would love to benefit from it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, get drawing then. Yeah. <laughs> my, my friends. I need, I need my art friend skill. I, yeah. Yeah. My friend and I's discussion was based basically around the idea as to whether whether this is like whether some people are buying these pieces of art or what percentage of the people are buying the pieces of art or or whatever it happens to be. NFTs, modern art, any sculptures, whatever whatever falls into that category that you can think of. How many of them are buying it thinking this is worth my investment because I think it's so beautiful? And how many of them are all whether consciously or subconsciously bought into the uh, to the the idea that we just have to all continue to say things are worth this much so we can continue this scheme of money laundering and tax evading yeah i i i think you're right <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of an emperor's emperor's new clothes type situation like the minute somebody's like this is bullshit and they're and they're and they are big and powerful enough. The whole thing might just come crashing down. You know, mm. I, I joked on Twitter before my account got eviscerated by Twitter. Uh, the NFTs were beanie babies for tech bros. You know, it's it's one thing to like <laughs> assign an ownership to a piece of art, right? And but it's another like some of the NFTs selling are just garbage. They're just complete ironic pieces of garbage, and they're selling i don't know if it's a joke or if it is like through money laundering or tax evasion or what have you because <laughs> why would you pay two hundred thousand dollars in ethereum for that for like the the lebron james dunking that sold for like several hundred thousand dollars it's a gift that's been on the internet for years now so why some random person making that into an nft 
Like I own the NFT. Well, I can go to Google Images and I can get that GIF anytime I want. <laughs> like, wh what makes that one so special? Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm. like I'm not sure. I, like, I don't know. Do you think it's it's the, the fact that we've had so much of the we've had so much money printed over the past year? Some something like a fifth. My friend was telling me of all US dollars were printed in the past year and we've had like this monstrous like upward wealth transfer do you think this is oh, just yeah. the money finding ways to 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 be stored that, yeah that I mean, it's have, happening that in doesn't all these have markets. anywhere else to go yeah uh mm. you know the housing market right now in America you know home buyers people that want to buy a home to live in are competing with wealth funds that are trying to figure out places to store their wealth and, you know, uh, in the UK, you guys have seen what happens when people are like, oh, it's safe for me to buy houses and I can just keep my money there. And all of a sudden you have just vacant homes everywhere that aren't being rented out, that aren't, you know, they're being sold for just ridiculous amounts of money. And mm. so if, if, if you are, you know, Jim and Jill and you've got $100,000 you can put down on a house and you're competing with a fund that's worth I don't know, a trillion dollars, you're not going to win that bidding war. <laughs> no. That, that, that wealth no. fund is just, they're <laughs> buying anything they can to, to, to sink their money into it. So there's, it's just being held somewhere because having that much cash on hand is always dangerous. Yeah. So, uh, one of the reasons that I wanted to ask you back was because we said we would talk a little bit about some of your work in doing some of the planning you have for for space exploration missions, or yeah. or, or maybe that's that's a poor way of categorizing it. So, so w what is it you're actually involved in? Uh, well, what my main focus was originally, like when when I went to do undergraduate, was I was interested in the concept of space mining and uh, uh, planning those missions figuring out what machinery would be needed. So it was kind of along, I don't know, the engineering lines of what, what it would take to mine space. And when I got my most recent master's degree in space studies, it kind of changed because I started looking at the laws behind it and realizing that uh, without significant international negotiations and a new space treaty, we're basically going to foment a space war that is completely inconceivable for for us today. Um, so now I'm kind of on the the side of trying to lobby, you know, the United Nations, uh, the United States, Russia, China, Japan, and get them back to the bargaining table to negotiate a new space treaty. The big glaring loophole we have is that the current space treaty was written in 1967 before anyone ever landed on the moon, before we realized the wealth in space. Uh, and what that treaty meant was Russia and the United States are battling each other to get to space, to land on the moon first, and just kind of have the bragging rights. But at the same time, we didn't want an accident to happen where our astronauts had to bail and they landed in Russia and Russia arrested them as spies or enemies of the state and they got stuck in a gulag. <laughs> and Russia didn't want the same thing. They didn't want their cosmonauts landing in American waters or American land and all of a sudden be taken prisoners. So the law broadly states that anyone who goes to space while they're in space they are considered a diplomat they're an envoy of peace meaning they can't be tried by a foreign state 
just like a diplomat, you know, can get a thousand parking tickets in New York and they never have to pay them because they got diplomatic immunity. So I want you to imagine now <laughs> Jeff Bezos goes to the moon, right? And he's mining a bunch of helium three. You've got, I don't know, planetary resources, mining asteroids for gold. You have uh, Elon Musk, for some reason, on Mars, dying from percolate poisoning. And you have uh, everyone else out there, <laughs> you know, the, we'll have entire markets collapse due to the, the vast infinite resources of space. I mean, one iron asteroid that's a mile across has something like $40 trillion in gold, right? So, you know, there's there'll be no reason to mine Earth anymore. That's it. Like... The, the 900 million people on Earth that are in resource extraction won't have a job. That's it. They won't because there's, there's no reason to, to dig really expensive holes on Earth when you can get all these resources from space much cheaper and in bulk. We won't have a hydrocarbons market mm. anymore because the helium-3 on the moon in 20 years will supplant all of our, our power resources. One fuel truck of helium-3 can power the entire United States for a year. So... The, the moon has 10,000 years of energy for every single human being to have American consumption levels of electricity. And that's five right now, 500, I think, quintillion dollars in energy. You know, Jeff Bezos will own us if he gets to the moon and starts mining that stuff. Like we think Amazon's big. Blue Origin is going to be gigantic. Like, buy Blue Origin stock when that sucker goes IPO because <laughs> it's good. They're going to own everything. But think about this. So, so so we have wow. we have all this okay, this well, action going not on. Not financial advice, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> you know, our our initial astronauts, their captain hero of the Air Force. You know, he's going up there doing experiments and whatever. In the future, it's not going to be captain hero of the Air Force. It's going to be some poor person from a favela in Brazil who's promised a fortune. They're going to go in space for six months and then die of a weird cancer from you know solar rays. Uh, so we're going to have com multinational companies operating in space with a multinational workforce, and all of them are going to have diplomatic immunity. It's going to be a wild west of proportions we could never expect. You can't try any of them. You can't arrest any of them. You can't prosecute any of them. They can do whatever they want. And, you know, if, if Russia's entire economy is based upon, you know, metals and hydrocarbons, and all of a sudden they have no market, but they've got a hell of a military and a really large space uh, 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 program. They can become an entire space piracy state. They can go to space, steal Jeff Bezos's gold from an asteroid, and there's nothing Jeff can do about it because Russia's not going to prosecute itself, <laughs> right? So, you know, we're going to be facing <laughs> the weirdest yeah. diplomatic rows and wars and you know, spy programs and it's going to be totally shady without creating, you know, uh, uh, claim systems without creating like a space police force and a space, you know, judiciary. It sounds so weird to say that like, I'm a space cop. I'm going to arrest you and take you to the space prosecutor. Yeah. Who's going to space charge you in front of a space judge. But <laughs> like, we're, we're going to need that in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Look, as long as you don't get the the, the rooster lawyer from Futurama, you'll be yeah. fine. <laughs> I'll say um, it will. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes like, the, the numbers that you're throwing at me are just blowing my absolute mind. Like, you, like a truck of H3 could power the United States for how long did you say? Why on a earth? Year. What is H3? A, a, what, what, uh, he, a year. What, what is H3? It's, it's yeah, uh, an isotope is of helium. Um, it's, so it has normally helium has has two protons and two neutrons. Uh, HE three has has two protons and one neutron, and okay. at fairly reasonable energy levels, we can fuse these two helium isotopes into something else, and that releases a tremendous amount of energy. Uh, the problem is is that on Earth right now we only have about twenty five kilograms of helium three because we get all of our helium bubbling up from from inside the earth we find weird gas pockets and then we can take the helium out of that and make party balloons and watch it float into space and never come back uh but the moon is full of helium three uh this the sun produces it as a result of the of the nuclear reactions within the sun and they just are flowing out from the sun 24 hours a day for the last four and a half billion years and and it's raining down on the moon and raining down on Earth. But the problem is that the helium-3 hits the Earth's atmosphere and bounces off and disappears. When it hits the moon, there's no atmosphere, and it just kind of statically bonds to the dust in the moon. So for the last four and a half billion years, the moon dust is just full of the statically bonded helium-3 that has nowhere to go. And uh, in the 1960s and 70s, when we landed on the moon, we discovered just how much there was and realize what it could be used for. And some of the first big projects NASA did was basically calculate the ore load of, of the moon and helium three and realize that there's, you know, millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of tons of this stuff. So the, the missions that China is doing to the moon, that it, the India, Russia, uh, India, Japan consortium, Jeff Bezos in the US, all those lunar missions are meant to establish eventually mining operations on the moon because whoever controls the moon will control global power basically for the next 10,000 years. Right. You've made me a lot more terrified about, about our need to get to the moon now before the Chinese. Yeah. Um, we, we, <laughs> should, we should terrifying. never built the International uh, Space Station and just gone to the moon to mine stuff. Yeah, I mean, it feels like you. It, it feels like a video game. You know, first we got to get the space station, then we got to get yep. the next step and the next yep. step. I mean, I, I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm talking to Eric Berger, who who wrote the book, uh, a book about SpaceX. Uh, I'm speaking to him next week, so that that's going to be a really fun interview. I, I guess we'll get to talk a lot about this sort of stuff. But so I know America has their like space force thing yeah. um, that they've they've created for this very reason. Um, I didn't realize just how pressing the need to have that was uh, i feel you know the memes yeah. were still amazing with trump and his like well, space force the, thing the, but yeah the space force like part of the 67 treaty is that no one's allowed to militarize space um that doesn't mean they haven't i have no doubt that, sup that superpowers have weapons in space that are secret and they're not talk telling anyone about um but the what mostly these satellites in space are, are they're called dual use. So it might be a satellite that's taking pictures of stuff, it's a spy satellite, whatever, but also has like a pair of, I don't know, pincher claws on it. So if a Chinese satellite gets too close, you can go by and just chop the, the solar panels off of it, or maybe a can of spray paint and it can spray paint over the solar panels so that these satellites just die. Um, these dual use satellites you know, they can also be masked as repair satellites or refueling satellites. And just imagine them like an auto mechanic. An auto mechanic can fix your car 
or destroy it in ways you could never imagine, right? <laughs> so there, there's probably a lot yeah. of yeah. these dual-use satellites up there floating around that are technically not military satellites, but they can easily be militarized. Uh, and the Space Force, the idea behind the Space Force is that it takes the, the space operations of the Air Force and puts it into its own distinct uh, 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 branch of the military so that there's just these guys dealing with things in space and the Air Force can focus on jets and, I don't know, helicopters or whatever the Air Force does. Uh, and yeah, tracking it, 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 it is a joke meme because it just seems like we're not used to actually sci-fi being real. <laughs> like when we start yeah. mining space, it's gonna, it still seems totally surreal to us that like we're getting rocks from space and it's making people trillionaires and they have more power than we could ever imagine. And all of a sudden, you know, the plot to the expanse is real. And uh, we, <laughs> we will need, you know, these military forces to deal with this stuff. The problem is, is that right now the treaties don't necessarily allow it to happen. Um, and enforcement is impossible. Uh, uh, in, in my master's thesis, I joked about a fictitious Elon Musk type character who, uh, let's say he's got a contract with NASA for Falcon 9 rockets or something similar, and uh, hmm. the rockets keep blowing up and there's a problem and they, they lose their contract. Well, this billionaire might get really pissed and say, you know what, screw you. I'm moving all my operations to Libya. Libya never signed the Outer Space Treaty. I can do whatever I want. I can land on the moon and claim the moon for me. What are you going to do about it? It's going to cost you a trillion dollars to figure out how to get me off the moon. <laughs> and you don't have that money and time. And by then I will have flooded the world with helium three and I'll be richer than all the nations put together. And, you know, without having a, a coherent <laughs> space policy for all nations on earth, uh, we can run into all sorts of loopholes and shenanigans and problems that, you know, I can't even, I can't even conceive of what, all of the issues will be. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, how how would you propose? I you, you mentioned you you're going to the UN. How would you propose that we try and deal with like, well, or what sort of framework would you say we need to put in place in terms of of how we allocate resources coming out of space? Because as you've mentioned, things would. You, you, I think what'd you say quintillions of 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 dollars worth of stuff is yeah. is in in space and uh, the other question I have was will that mean that that re resource will just become so abundant that the price will go to almost zero because there's so much of it available yeah, like, will that kinda. help sort of weigh out the 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 sort of yeah the the stupid amount of wealth that someone might accumulate like say because obviously our prices on earth are based on how much it costs to harvest or mine whatever resource resource or gas that we're talking about and as soon as it's like infinitely abundant that should hopefully push the price down maybe uh i i foresee there's probably going to be a cartel of some kind you know kind of like the beers and the diamonds uh mm -hmm. diamonds are not rare I, I can go to colorado and in a day have several carrots of diamonds just suck them out of the ground for pennies um hmm. but what the cartel does is they reduce supply so if i go to colorado and i make a really big mining claim all of a sudden i have weird dutch secret agents trying to assassinate me and destroy equipment because they want to maintain you know the relative scarcity of their resource and um in the asteroid belt 
there's enough iron in the asteroid belt that at today's prices can make every human being on Earth worth $100 billion. That's how much iron there is just in the asteroid belt. Uh, and, uh, what if I want to end Dogecoin? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to, I want all the Dogecoin. In, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the historical examples we have are the claim system, the mining claim system. Uh, when gold was discovered at, at, at Sutter Mill in California in 1848, right at the end of the uh, Mexican-American War, uh, it resulted in this rush of 300,000 people moving across the continental United States into the wilds to get as much gold as they can. The United States had had no presence in California until like 1851. So about two and a half years of lawlessness. There were there were mining camps in California where the murder rate was higher than than any death rate of any battlefield of World War II. We're talking like one in sixty people would get murdered what? in a year. Yeah, <laughs> because there was there were no there was no law. There was no. There were right. no police. There were no lawyers. There were no courts. There were there were there were like I think less than twelve hundred Navy sailors stationed in San Francisco hanging out, and they were they weren't the law. They were just probably getting drunk and going to brothels. Um, and so it took until eighteen fifty one until the first marshal was in California. But what the communities there did was they adopted the Spanish uh, system for mining claims. And it was kind of a, a, a I don't know. It might have military, it might have uh, uh, posse's, but for mostly it was on on the honor system. Um, you know, I I stake this section of a river; it's mine as long as I mine it. If someone jumps this claim, I'm entitled to kill them, and that was kind of how it worked. Oftentimes, people would mm. get killed, and then their claim would get jumped. Uh, uh, but that that <laughs> system that system proceeds to today in in many many nations around the world: uh, U.S., Canada. Uh, uh, I'm not sure who else in Mexico, um, but this this claim system will have to probably be applied to space and it'll probably have to be something where you can't stake a claim until you're on it and and when if you're on it you have to be working it so that to keep some company saying oh i own these 5000 asteroids i got claims on all of them well if you aren't mining those 5000 asteroids no you don't have claims on them uh and that and that will that will help probably keep uh lawlessness to a minimum uh, and probably help maintain a competitive market for these minerals. But at the same time, you know, who's going to have the resources to mount these expeditions? It's going to be Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, you know, in large governments like China, Japan, India, uh, Israel's trying to get in there, um, the U European Space Agency. Uh, so it's not going to, like, I'm not going to be able to make a claim on an asteroid worth trillions of dollars and then mount my own expedition to it. I don't have the money for that unless GameStop really moons. <laughs> and then maybe I, maybe I can. Uh, <laughs> maybe but, we should do that. We should all pool our money together. Yeah, to make a space, <laughs> a space company. I'd, I'm for it. If any other GameStop people out there want to make a space company with me after this moon, so let's do it. <laughs> Take them all on. Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> It should be great. So, do, so do you do? You, do uh, yeah, there's so many questions I have about about this. Just it's such a, it's so so crazy to even like actually be talking about it seriously. Do you know what it's I mean? It's gonna get it's weird so, in the next twenty years for sure. Yeah, I mean, like hopefully we do it right. Like, well, 
what are your what are your like estimations on how humanity is going to handle this poorly <laughs> yeah, I, was afraid, I was afraid of that like <laughs> yeah uh it, you know we tried to to make a new moon treaty in the 70s and only five nations signed on to it and none of them were company were countries capable of going to the moon uh <laughs> so you know i i it's the human condition to not do anything until the shit hits the fan we just you know the stock market's the same way we ignore everything until there's like an insurmountable problem. Then we go, Oh no. And then we make rules. Um, we're not, we're just not very proactive. We're, we're not going to do anything about climate change until it's destroying our entire planet. And we're not going to do anything about, you know, a new space treaty until, you know, a million space settlers are wiped out with a space laser by some space pirate. Like <laughs> We're just not, we're, we're, we're not proactive in that way. So I don't, I don't see us, hmm. I, I, you know, I'm fully capable of being the Cassandra and being like, oh, no, there's warnings. Don't do that. And then no one listens to me until it's too late. I felt I was kind of that way last year with the coronavirus. Back in January, I was writing articles showing the statistics of <laughs> what was going to happen with the coronavirus. People kept telling me I was a fear monger. And then like two months later, the entire globe shut down. And I was like, I did the math. I showed it to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, why would people yeah. listen? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I often, I often wonder about that on on many, many different different topics. Um, is there how much talk or or sort of consideration is there in like space circles uh, or people who are who are working on this about the the like the need for a new treaty? Like, is it something that's uh, talked about within none. your industry at least? Uh, in passing, it's mostly the United Nations Office of Outer Space Affairs. For years, they've been trying to get people on board to create a new treaty. But, you know, the the fears of the big space powers is that if they sign a treaty, they're going to lose out on something. And mm. their their entire concept is if we get there first, we control it. And they 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 think that they that they will be able to manipulate markets and and people enough that they think they'll be able to control this resource and no one else will be able to have at it. The reality of that is is that someone will find a way, and the the fact that everyone who goes to space is a diplomat means they can do whatever they want to you in space, and there's nothing you can do about it. And so, you know. I, I, I foresee, yeah, yeah. I, I, I foresee a future where, you know, we have colonies in space, and these colonies in space are mining resources for us. They go for a generation or two, and all of a sudden they're like, "Screw you, Earth! Why, why should we be giving you all of our helium three and powering your economy? And all that money goes to Jeff Bezos's great great grandkids. Screw you! I, I, we control it now, and we see." colonial revolts i mean the united states it took what a little more than a generation for the united states to give a big finger to to their colonizers in england it's it doesn't take long at all for a colony to be like no we aren't part of you anymore we're our own thing and we'll see that in space as well uh i think you know space treaties will probably have to make permanent permanent uh, uh colonies maybe illegal uh, so that you, you, each human being only has a set amount of time they're allowed to be in space in a lifetime, like six weeks. 
you're allowed six weeks in space and that's it no more uh in order to maintain that these these uh population centers these mining colonies uh remain loyal to earth as a planet um and a community uh plus there's all sorts of weird physiological things that will happen to people that grow up in low gravity environments that you know they're going to be stuck on the moon and never be able to come back and it's yeah. i don't know i i, I would yeah, say I've one read, of the solutions might be, that. That, yeah anti-gravity or well sort of like artificial gravity work which i know people are actually working on quite seriously um so yeah. that you know perhaps they could figure out some way of making like a gravity like an earth yeah, like the, the physiological problems hub, in space i don't know are are many i mean you have guys like uh mark kelly and scott kelly that go up to space station for long periods of time and you lose five percent of your bone density every month you're in zero g permanently they basically get osteoporosis by going into space long term and you never get that bone density back uh your circulatory system is relegated upon being in a gravitational environment. So if you have no gravitational environment going on, your spinal fluid floods into your brain and fills, fills your skull with spinal fluid and causes your eyes to bulge and flatten. So you end up going blind eventually. Uh, you can have all sorts of atrophying from your muscles not being used in the proper way. They, they try to combat this up in the space station by putting bungee cords on people and making them run so they can still maintain some sort of like core strength. But even then, you know, when they land mm. after a week or two in space or more, they have to be met with wheelchairs and physical therapists and doctors. Uh, so maintaining the physical form in space for long periods is really challenging. Um, one of the things we learned in, in space studies is, uh, you know, a mission to Mars will take, with current technology, six months to a year to get there. During that entire time, those people are their muscles are atrophying. They're losing five percent of their bone density. They're going blind. You know they're having uh, uh, cranial problems, circulatory problems. They're getting bombarded with with cosmic rays that are just insane. Uh, you know titanium atoms flying the speed of light, just piercing your DNA. Right, just horrible stuff. And then you land on Mars, which all of a sudden you're in a gravitational environment, and you're just gonna break a hip. Like, you aren't going to be met with a team of doctors. You aren't going to be met with physical therapists or a wheelchair. You're going to be suddenly in a gravitational environment for the first time in six months, and bones are going to break. Uh, You're going to be fatigued. And then you're going to be met with this, in the soils, the stuff called perchlorate, which is chlorine molecules that are highly toxic to the human body. They attack the thyroid and shut down your entire immune system. And so, you know, 24 parts per billion on earth is considered hazardous and can really do damage to a person. The Martian surface is 1% perchlorate. The only way to reduce that number and turn those, that perchlorate into, into chlorides is to flood the entire planet with uh, 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 anaerobic bacteria. And we have to, have to wait thousands of years for the Martian soil to be safe enough for us to like plant our potatoes and grow things. Until then, it's completely toxic. And there really isn't any economic resources on Mars to mine and make money. So, you know, I, I look at SpaceX plans and NASA plans to go to Mars, and I'm just like, why? There's so much more money to be made that 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 kind of serves an economic purpose than Mars. Mars is just going to be a, like a trillion-dollar snuff film that we'll end up watching. And 
no one's just gonna lose a lot of money at it that's that's kind of how i see mars we have to go for the obelisk the obelisk yeah we gotta go yeah. and meet the, the galactic yeah. federation who are waiting for us off planet until we all exactly. wise up and stop being so crazy that's that's what that's what the israeli space agency or the former head of the israeli space agency said i think or yeah. Was it the Israeli Space Agency or was it their intelligence agency? I don't remember. Anyway, um, Houston, this yeah, this has been a fascinating chat. Um, it was great to chat to talk to you about about space and whatnot because that is truly mind blowing, but uh, fascinating and exciting. And since I've been listening to Star Wars Star Wars soundtracks all all week while I've been working, it seems quite apt. Uh, so um, <laughs> everybody, follow follow Houston on Twitter um check out my sponsors in the link uh in the description below links for all the stuff we talked about is there and yeah thanks a lot man thank you it's been so much fun let's do it again yeah yeah let's do it again sometime thanks so much for listening if you enjoyed the show please subscribe follow me on twitter or sign up to our mailing list thanks a lot to our sponsor express vpn the number one most trusted vpn get lightning fast connectivity with servers in 160 locations across 94 countries. Keep your browsing privacy safe with ExpressVPN and get a 35% discount on 12 months of ExpressVPN when you follow the link in the description below. Don't forget my book is now out and available to order on Amazon and on bookshop.org. That's Brexit, the Establishment Civil War. And most importantly, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.